The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Stock Market Authority Podcast. I'm Bakes, Kevin Baker. I'm going to teach you how to make money in up and down markets. Very few podcasters or coaches cover this. I'll show you how to lock in profits and minimize losses to make you a better investor. So once a week, you're going to know what's going on in the world and the stock market. Welcome to the Stock Market Authority Podcast. Good morning. It's Bakes, Kevin Baker, Stock Market Authority. Wednesday, last Wednesday of, uh, of July, which blows my mind. We're going to talk about today, our top story is ARK, A-R-K-K, ARK Innovation. Come sail away. Here's hoping Kathy Wood makes money over the next five years. This is going to be controversial and a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, open the mailbag, and we're going to talk about Photronics, uh, uh Domino's Pizza and Mattel, given the Barbie uh, uh, launch, and we're going to go through the portfolio. I'm the only masochist that's out there that on this podcast says, oh, by the way, here's exactly what I'm investing in. I try to find the 10 best ETFs to make money every single year. So far, we've done it. We were up last year when everybody else was down, and I'm working my tail off to keep the streak alive. But today's top story. Uh, I bought ARK. Uh, I put this out on the uh, on the newsletter a little while ago, uh, and I posted it. And um, ARK Innovation, A-R-K-K, is Kathy Wood's uh, uh, flagship fund and uh, became famous by having a meteoric rise. We'll talk, we'll talk about the chart, but basically a meteoric rise during the pandemic, a subsequent crash when interest rates came down, and uh, is a lightning rod for uh, a lot of people. And I'm using this as a teaching moment to all of my student-managed investment fund friends and all my you know, folks at the University of Houston MBA program because I think this is instructive. Uh, I've been doing this a long time, and by checking my, uh, my emotional baggage at the door, see Miranda Lambert, uh, it's helpful. So here's what's going on with ARC right now. This is the... Uh, the weekly chart, and I've got these arrows written here. So let me give you the history a little bit, okay? First of all, uh, I, I was uh, chuckling. Jack, my son, I sent this to my sons, Jack and Bobby, who I do this for, and um, uh, Jack came back to me with a text saying, really, Dad? Uh, she's your arch enemy. Uh, uh, if you can't beat him, join him. And, and I came back with, as I do, uh, the charts have spoken, and uh, it, this is the, the benefit of, of not having baggage. And I mean this really seriously, and that's half the reason why I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm bringing this to light, because I think it's really helpful. Uh, here's the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the recent buy was triggered by, and I'm watching this all the time, but here are the arrows from the left to the right. The first one is the 50-day moving average breaking above the 200. And so you can say anything you want about, about Kathy Wood. Uh, she doesn't know about valuation. She doesn't have a sell discipline. Uh, she wrote everything back down. Okay, true, but the trend changed. Now, the 200-day is the next arrow. The 200-day started turning up, and I mean by a penny. And so I go, okay, check one, check two. And then I see 
this breakout into new intermediate highs. I don't think it's 52-week highs, but intermediate highs on big volume. And I say, that's my buy. And that's how specific my buys are. New intermediate high, 150% increase in volume, and then uh, I want to be right. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to be wrong by 15%. I sell everything. If I see down 15% on my statement, I put it away because that enables me to do what I just did. I was very critical of Kathy Wood, very critical of ARC, but I'm here to make money. And so if I don't lose a lot of money, I can be free psychologically to get back in the game when things change. So that's what I see in this chart for the buy, and I'm really working hard to have you see what I see. I think everybody, I think this is so obvious, I can see it from three city blocks, but I understand you didn't go through the 87 crash, you ever you know, read the thousands of, hundreds of books that I've read, and gone through thousands of charts for 25 plus years, so that my eye is attuned, uh, almost a, a, you know, a, Pavlovian or Darwinian response to uh, you know how the market works. So uh, I might teach a course down the road. Come back to me if, if you uh, want to learn how to read charts, especially if you're steeped in fundamentals like the University of Houston folks, the uh, the uh, Bucknell Student Managed Investment Fund. I'll teach you the technical part, and the technical part will save you a lot of anguish and a lot of money and a lot of time. So I'm going to try and do a better job to get you to see what I see. So we bought this a week ago. This is very recent. We're, uh, we haven't even made money yet. We're down a little bit. It's up today when I looked at it, uh, and we'll go, we'll go through this some more. Uh, this is the monthly chart of ARC, ARC Innovation. And this is a, uh, I bring this up for a few reasons. She, uh, Kathy talks all the time, well, uh, we have a long-term horizon, five years. Well, over the last five years, she made you 7%, which is basically zero given the volatility that she offered up. So here's this line right here. You bought it five years ago. You just now started to make money. Think about that. Five years, you went through this really volatile, crazy phase where basically Tesla turned profitable, got into the S&P 500. It's her biggest holding. She ran it up from 50 to 400 plus. This is the, the uh, uh, Tesla and then uh, uh, rode almost all of it back down to 100. So I am not impressed with her sell discipline at all. I'm impressed with mine, and I'll go into that a little bit further. Also, over the last three years, I'm going to, this is a complete total plug. Our portfolio is up 21% over the last three years. She's down 40. So we try to make money every year. She tries to make over long periods of time. Thus far has failed to do so. And that's the reason why the title of this is, will Kathy Wood make money over the next five years? And I'm now I'm rooting for her, and we'll go into some more about this. The next is my uh, uh, headline from the Wall Street Journal. Investors are bailing on Kathy Wood's popular ARC fund. The fund has shrunk to roughly $9 billion from whatever the hell it was at the peak. Might have been 20. It's down to $9 billion. And so this is from Jack Pitcher. It's just the other day in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Wall Street Journal. Uh, they said they pulled out $717 million net. 
And I'm going to paraphrase my friend Matt Tuttle, who's been on the pod in the past, uh, and said, you know, millions of investors have horrific losses and finally became fed up. That is an exact quote, but something to the, in the spirit of that. And so when I hear that, I say, that's why support and resistance happens. What this means to me is that you've exhausted the sellers. And I put this in a post a little while ago, probably too early, that I thought the sign of capitulation would be when the Kathy Wood accolades would finally give up the ghost and sell this fund. And it just started to happen. So it took five years. It took horrific losses. And finally, people say, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to get out. And that's how how uh, uh, support is built and how resistance is broken. That five-year line I showed you. People have finally said, I am gone. And so now you have people like me who say they are exhausted. That is support. We're going to break into new highs, and I want to be there when it happens. And it's, it's just human psychology. Finally, people can't take the pain, and they get out, and then you have these turning points. And so it's a great representation of why charts ha- work, why support and resistance matters, why I focus on it so much, and how hopefully I'm helping you profit from this. The next is the uh, the short innovation fund, SARK, S-A-R-K. Matthew Tuttle created this. I had him on the show right as he was launching this. We had just bought it back in the in the, the throes of the pandemic, and it basically shorted bet on. I hate that word bet, but so you know, uh, sold high and in and, and the hopes that it would decline dramatically and we could buy low. This is the inverse of that. So we basically bought this in the 30s, sold it for roughly a double. And uh, that was the main one of the main reasons we were up last year while everybody else was down. And my point being is that the there are so many vehicles now, two thousand plus ETFs, that where you can express all kinds of views, including shorting highly valued, volatile, money losing stocks when it, it's appropriate that you can pull that off the shelf, deploy it. You don't need a legion of of hedge fund analysts to make money when the market's down. And so far, I'm proving it, and I want to continue to prove it, but I want to give you my thought process along the way. Next is Tesla. Talk about lightning rods. Tesla's a great one. Uh, uh, This is the the number one name in the portfolio of ARK. It's 11%. The next in, in line are, are Coinbase, Roku, Zoom, and Square. I mean, this is not mom and apple pie stocks. This is, this is high growth, high risk uh, stocks that, that they're investing in. So uh, Tesla, this area that you see over here to the far left was the bottom at 101. The bottom at 101. So basically, went from, I think 434 was the peak, came down to 101. But then the same kind of thing is happening here in this one important name for ARC. You see this arrow over here, the 50-day crossing through the 200 to the upside. I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but it is almost as simple if you're looking for it and you're avoiding a lot of the noise. The 200-day has just started to turn up. This is this far right 
arrow. And obviously, the stock has run significantly from 100 to 267. They had a lousy, they had a lousy earnings call. The earnings were okay. The call was poor because Elon Musk kind of doesn't have a filter and basically said, we're going to be spending a lot more money than you think, and we don't care about margins. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but that, that's not what the market wants to hear. And the, the bear case for Tesla has always been, and I've made it, is uh, it's fun going from, from uh, 0% market share to 70. Now everybody comes after you, and, and it gets more difficult. Price increases, squeeze margins. That's going to be a problem. And the, bear, the bull case is that, well, we're going to get as many cars out there, and then we're going to sell them software upgrades and other services, charging fees, et cetera, to, to make money down the road. And, you know, sometimes we make things too complicated. So I put in here another link uh, description in the notes. This, this is Gene Munster, uh, uh, who's a, an analyst at Deepwater Asset Management on CNBC, it seems like every 11 minutes. Um, and it's a very short clip. I recommend you listen to it. At about a minute 20, he goes into what really caught my eye as I was you know, doing 40 th- different things. Tesla's margins are going to improve in the back half of the year. But then he basically said, and it was a debate, he was the, the, the Tesla bull. Dan Nathan and, and Guy Adami were the usual Tesla bears. I think uh, Danny Moses was there as well, if I recall. And he said, you know, th- just keep this simple and let's think long term. Are EVs going to be about 100% of the market in 10 years? And, okay, maybe it's not going to be. But it's going to be a big, big share of the pie. So... Is Tesla better at EVs than everybody else, especially the incumbents, General Motors, Ford, etc.? Okay, that kind of makes sense. And if do you think the incumbents can catch up? And he says, not a shot. I'm again, I'm paraphrasing, but it also kind of makes sense. And we're also hearing, you know, a lot of uh, the the travails as traditional car makers try to make EVs that people will pay for, and. Then he says, well, if, this, uh, uh, if they get 10% share of that market. Now, Musk says they want a 20% share of the EV market, which he thinks is going to be the auto market in 10 years. That's $1.1 trillion of revenue for Tesla, which is doing $130 billion now. So what's that, eight, nine times? So uh, that's very simple. That's longer term than I think, but it also makes intuitive sense and my tiebreaker here is the chart looks good and is really starting to look good and so we're 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 climbing this this wall of pessimism you know valuations and 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 margins etc and uh the fact that they had a horrible earnings call and the stock took it pretty well in in over the the long scheme of things I think is kind of interesting. So I'm rooting for Tesla, Coin, Roku, etc. Uh, uh, and and I know this is, um, you know, for value investors, you might as well turn the channel because I don't think value investing works very well. So that's another topic for another day. But anyway, hope that's helpful. Uh, you do your own due diligence. This isn't financial advice, but I own ARC. I ask you to look at it. You make your own decisions and you fire your questions and comments at me. Please go to my YouTube channel, hit uh, uh, subscribe, please share it if you think I've earned it, and I really appreciate it. That's today's top story. Now, it's time to check the mailbag. Incoming! There's a letter in your mailbox. You got mail. 
Uh, William from Canton, Mass., came in and said, I think a good way to participate in the semiconductor bull market is Photronics, PLAB. How does it look to you? <laughs> More mail. Uh, and I think, uh, I think it looks good. I think you're right. Uh, uh, the... Uh, they make it get a little bit wonky. They make photo masks, which basically is sort of a pick and or a shovel to sell to the the uh, ultimate semiconductor makers, Taiwan, uh, uh, Nvidia, more designs than than manufacturers. The Intel's, the Texas Instruments. You get the idea. And so, uh, I think he does have a value bent. If I'm putting two and two together, but you see here from a oh. First of all, Jack, thanks for the tip. Uh, this is a hold for me. And I will almost never have you come up with something to me, all of you, and I'll say that's a buy. The reason is my buy is very specific, as I just showed you with the, the ARC uh, example. It, it's a new high. It's on a 150% increase in volume. And it's basically that day, maybe the next. And so it's incredibly specific. And it's unlikely you're going to send an idea to me that fits that criteria right then. So to me, this is a hold. I put an arrow here. That's the 50-day going up through the 200, which means the trend has changed. The 200 is going up, and you have this um, uh, this top here at around 27. I think we're going to probably base here for a while. Maybe earnings make this drive drive uh, drive higher. Uh, I didn't put the the longer term chart here. This isn't an ideal one for me. I like to see uh, staircases. Uh, Build a base, hit the staircase, hopefully on some good news, you know, whatever it is, new CEO, new product, earnings, and then it builds a base. And I want to see that staircase. In this case, uh, it, it's more of a, of, of a, a sawtooth, uh, kind of all over the place on the longer-term chart. And that might be because these are lumpier orders, tougher timing, and so uh, if you pull forward or delay a, uh, a sale – it might, uh, you know, create more excess stock price movement as earnings and revenues miss or, or beat. Now, I think the trend in the semiconductors has been good. It's been good for this stock. That's why it's a hold. Stay tuned here for my sell discipline. Keep this in front of me. So far, I think you've got a winner. Congratulations. I think that's great. But I would be uh, nimble and be ready to to now this is also fairly cheap and 13 times grown at about 13 percent so uh i think valuation is certainly helping you here but i think it's always kind of had that multiple and if you have earnings misses you got to be braced for you know pretty big drawdowns given the history of the stock so come back at me with more if you need it i hope that's helpful uh jackie from new haven connecticut uh, asked me, I'm a Share Scoops, Share Scoops subscriber. Gus Christensen, the CEO of Share Scoops, was on with us not too long ago. They recently high, highlighted uh, Domino's Pizza, DPZ. What do you see in the chart? And it's a good-looking chart. And uh, I'm going to put aside my bias, I hope. I'm not going to. I'm going to just tell you. I think the pizza's fair and uh, the service is fair. And uh, people try to say, oh, it's a tech company now because they have an app. Eh, it's a pizza company with, with okay pizza at best. So uh, 
you know, I've been lazy too, and I've had a couple too many beers and don't feel like going out. And so, yeah, I, I, I've succumbed to Domino's in the past. But uh, the earnings report was, was excellent. Uh, I think the prior one was a big disappointment, and so the expectations have been dashed. So you have a gap up here. It looks like 350 up to about uh, 380, and then the, the peak was, was 410. So now we're building the next staircase, 380 to 410, and I wanted to kind of stay in there. This is that old, you know, uh, Wall Street maxim that, that uh, you know, all gaps are filled. Eh, I don't think that's true. Yeah, probably eventually, but I don't think that's germane. Uh, so 380 to 410, uh, if you see it much below there, I'd get a little bit antsy. Again, this is a hold. If I didn't say that at the, at the top, I'm sorry. This is a hold. Um, I get more enthusiastic if they have another great earnings report. The stock goes up, up through 410 on big volume. Uh, it's got a you know, 26, 27 PE growing at, at 16% or so. Yeah, you know, of all the gin joints in all the world, I'm not going to walk into this one. And that's a way too old reference for all of you, and I don't know why I went there, but that's that's where we are. Uh, Humphrey Bogart is turning over in his grave right now. Uh, okay, this is from Gloria. Barbie is a hit. Why is Mattel not moving? I love this. I love this because it's so logical. Oh, my God, it's Barbie summer. Uh, everybody's in pink. Uh, the box office is monstrous. Barbieheimer has is, is become a meme, and, uh, and, and so it's good for Mattel. Well, yeah, it's good for Mattel. They make licensing fees off of all these things. I don't know the numbers. I doubt they disclose them with much precision is my guess. Um, but you have sort of a lukewarm response, a bounce off the lows as Mattel looks like it's a hit. Uh, it's topped out here at 21.23. But one of the things that I want you to think about, number one, earnings are coming up today, tomorrow. So we'll find out uh, a, a lot more. But my suspicion is this is not recurring. You get a PE of one, price earnings of one, when there isn't future growth that you can see down the road. Yes, I suppose there could be a Barbie too. And yes, they could have some uh, you know, uh, extensions and what have you. Maybe a Christmas season that's better than normal with easy comps last year. That kind of a thing. But you know, Barbie's been around for, what, 70 years? I forget the exact number. And, uh, you know, Margot Robbie's adorable, but I just don't see, uh, you know, much sizzle beyond here. So always ask yourself, is this a one-time phenomenon or is it a recurring phenomenon that people will pay for into the future? And I think here you have a hold, but I would – this is a more, maybe the weakest hold where – if, certainly if my self-discipline is invoked, I would start getting out. And if you want me to go through that anew, I seem like I go through that every episode. So I'm backing off on the nuts and bolts of how to sell stocks. But so many people skip over that, which is kind of important because that's how you lock in your profits. Um, so, Gloria, that's what I think of Mattel. And again, come back to me, uh, Bakes at StockMarketAuthority.com with any questions uh, you know, expansions that I, I should make. That's it for the mailbag this week. If you want to write into the show with any questions or comments, email me at bakes at stockmarketauthority.com. Even better, leave me a voice recording and we can play your question on the show. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Stock Market Authority portfolio and I'll give you this week's Bakes Takes. Do you want to become a better investor? 
you want to learn how to make money in both up and down markets, then you need to go to stockmarketauthority.com and sign up for our free newsletter today. Stock Market Authority is run by award-winning investment manager, Kevin Bakes Baker. His aim is to save you time while teaching you how to be a better investor. Bakes saves you time by diving into all the latest stock market news and information so that you don't have to. He reads all the latest articles, analyzes the charts, and listens to all the relevant podcasts. And then once a week, he gives you a breakdown of what's happening in the market. Stock Market Authority is constantly outperforming the S&P and the HFRX. Bakes is going to share with you his weekly stock observations. He'll give you concise insights and show you how to lock in profits and minimize losses. Stock Market Authority is making money in up and down markets. Wouldn't you like to do the same? So join now and let Bakes show you how. Head on over to stockmarketauthority.com and sign up for our free newsletter today. That's stockmarketauthority.com, making money in up and down markets. And we're back. Today we're talking about Come Sail Away Arc. You see the, the boat arc nautical reference that I wove into that? Isn't that good? Uh, I tried to get Come Sail Away, but the Sticks lawyers came after me pretty hard, so I have to I, I put that on the QT. Uh, we'll see if their next five years is better than the last five years. Anyway, uh, here's my portfolio. I like being able to pull uh, things like ARC off the shelf, but since inception, we're up 264 times the hedge funds. And I use that because we try to uh, make money when the market goes down. They're usually not as good at it. At it. We were up last year. Most of them were down. We try to make money every year. We're that simple. We, we, my wife and I, we have the S&P 500, and then we have the stock market authority portfolio. And what I hope appeals to some of you is that smoothing mechanism. The market goes up over time. It's up 70% of the time, but the 30% stinks and sometimes really stinks. And a lot of people psychologically can't handle it. And so when that happens, I want to be able to say, hey, I have a, a way for you to make money every year and, and, and uh, you know, hopefully have less angst and anguish over your finances, knowing that you're going wherever the market tells us to go around the world to have you profit every year. And so it's a wonderful experiment. So far, it's working. And um, and to, to be blunt, your money manager does not have the same goal. His job is to lose less in down years. Period. Unless there's a you know you you you've got Bridgewater as your as your uh, asset manager. Uh, so. We have a very different approach here. I take it seriously. I don't take it that me that seriously. I take what I say to you seriously. It isn't financial advice. I don't know your situation inside and out, but you're smart people and you knew that, and you don't need my lawyer to tell you that. So, um, uh, at the end game, you know, I want to become your. Uh, I want to become an ETF that I run. That's your hedge fund that you pull off the table and you put in your. Uh, uh, retirement account and watch the S&P go up and hopefully me go up uh, uh, every year when the S&P is down. So that's my, my end game and I'd love to have you I'd love to talk about that more. So right now, here's I can't be more transparent. Here it is. We're 10% in ARC, as I mentioned. I gave you all the rationale. We're 10% in uranium, URNJ, the uh, uh, smaller uranium miners and uh, I... I, am, I think this is going to uh, 
be like when we started this in the middle of the pandemic. I think we're going to make a lot of money here. Uh, the spot price is just under 60. We get that to go to the prior high of 130, which I think is likely. The, the spot price doubles, and then the earnings of the, of the miners just absolutely explode. Haven't confirmed that yet, but the long-term trends in uranium are very positive, and I'll go into that more in depth as I pull the trigger. 10% in Argentina has been a very pleasant surprise. We've been 40% in AI, technology, robotics, uh, uh, machine learning, etc., we're 10% in Bitcoin via the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which trades at a discount to spot Bitcoin. And we're looking for the potential of a spot Bitcoin ETF that makes this, this whole market rip wide open. 10% the Bitcoin miners, and we're 10% in Ethereum. Uh, very unconventional portfolio, but again, we're unconventional because we want to make money every year, and the conventional people don't. So please stay tuned. Uh, we're down this year. Uh, it, it, frankly, we probably should have taken everything January 2nd, uh, uh, sold it because we were pretty uh, uh, short Sark and, and the SPACs and what have you. And uh, so we didn't do it perfectly. We did it well, but we didn't do it perfectly. But frankly, there is no perfect. So uh, we're fighting our tail. We're working our tail off to to uh, make you make everybody money this year. And I'm going to go through recent uh, observations, improvements in the portfolio, on my social media posts, and in my newsletter. And please subscribe, follow, and share. That's how we're invested on uh, July 26th. I cannot believe how late it is. Let's get into this week's Bakes Takes. Uh, Charlie from New York came to me and uh, asked, is, is the worst over? Uh, is this a dead cat bounce? And I'm kind of surprised because, uh, Charlie, I know you're in the, in the, fin- in the you know, uh, uh, financial world. And the fact that, that the technical action has improved so much and people still think it's a head fake, uh, frankly, gives me encouragement because... And this is why I like charts. The charts win most of the time. They just do. And, um, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it's just a dead cat bounce. No, it's a bull market. Uh, and you go back here, this arrow that I drew when the world was coming to an end um, uh, in the middle of COVID. And, like, that's a dead cat bounce. And, frankly, it's a more – usually a dead cat bounce is like snap yesterday. You know, you go down 17, you bounce two today. That's a dead cat. Um, you, you can understand the imagery. I don't need to get graphic with you. Um, uh, you know, but another great point. Patrick O'Shaughnessy has a great podcast. And uh, Josh Kushner was on there. And he had this great line that I've been looking for an excuse to use. And he, Josh's dad told him when there was, you know, a, a pretty bad period, uh, you know, the world doesn't end very often. And, you know, how many times do we sit there and we're terrified, night sweats, and the world doesn't end very often. So, yes, you know, we're human. We've got fight or flight. It's all, you know, hardwired into us. But the world's pretty good and getting better all the time, and the world doesn't end very often. So uh, I, I, I bring that to your um, you know, for you to consider. Anyway, my, pardon me. <clears throat> my suspicion is that you're listening to a lot of the things that I am, Charlie. 
The inverted yield curve means we have a recession 100% of the time. Uh, uh, the, the Fed has more work to do. Uh, uh, the, the, it isn't the inversion of the yield curve. It is the re-steepening. And I'm telling you, the market doesn't care. And, I mean, look at these lines here. This is the same sort of thing we've talked about. This is the S&P 500. The 50-day uh, goes up to the 200. The 200 starts turning up. The volume picks up for the breakout to the upside, and we've taken out the uh, uh, the 430 level uh, absolutely de- decisively. So uh, it's an uptrend. Uh, we're, we're, we're threatening new highs, and the fact that people don't want to believe it or hate it, uh, I kind of like it. So maybe that makes me weird, but I've been doing this a long time, which has made me weird. So it's a bull market until further notice. If my sell discipline kicks in on individual stocks, especially you know the big ones or the S&P overall, I will let you know, um, just like I talked about Cisco back in 2000, uh, I know how to do this. So stay tuned, please. So it's a bull market, uh, period. Um, he also asked, Charlie asked about uh, election risk and, uh, you know, what happens to the market if there's a, a Biden-Trump um, rematch. And I've talked about this before, and I want to be as subtle as a two-by-four again. The stock market picks presidents, not the other way around. Presidents have virtually no influence over anything, frankly. So I went back to I, I, this chart goes back to to the fifties, but I'll go back to my my prior discussions from twenty nine to thirty two. The stock market got crushed. That president had about as much chance of getting reelected as I did. So FDR comes in and the market goes up from there because everything was had only uh, one place to go, which was up. And the World War II helped, frankly. And he was there for three and a half terms, and he would have been still the president if, if they could have found a way for technology to do so. So take a look at this right here. I wish it wasn't uh, uh, red and blue, because uh, that's obviously Democrat and Republicans. But a couple things. The market's up most of the time, and when the market's down, we throw the president out. Okay. We threw it out with Nixon in, in, in 74. Ford, poor guy, didn't have a shot. He was a one-termer. And Carter, 76 to 80. The market was down. We said, get this guy out of here and send him back to Georgia to plant peanuts. And it just happens over and over and over again. Frankly, the one exception is Trump. So he had to work hard to take a down, uh, take an up stock market and turn it into a loss. Now, maybe that's because of his personality or whatever. But I don't care about what ideological stance, what they think about the issues, anything. It, we are economic animals. And if we feel better about our wallet, we keep the president in. And if we don't, we fire the bum. And that's what's going to happen this time as well. So spend no time thinking about Biden how old and feeble he is, and Trump, what a crazy son of a gun he is, it does not matter. Now, if the charts roll over, I'll act accordingly. But right now, the market has spoken, the trend is up, it's Biden's to lose, and we'll see what happens. But politics, don't let that influence your thinking about investments one iota, ever. Am I being vague? No, okay. Uh, hey, we interviewed a CEO last week, uh, last week uh, the CEO of SciTech. 
Uh, I went through my uh, interview process. I want to hear what you think about that. You want more? Do you want less? Uh, Please give me your feedback. Those are my big takes for this week. And as we close out today's show, I always like to end with some much-needed levity. Uh, Please click on the link in the description below. This is Nate Bargatze, the worst time traveler. I just listened to it again on the way up here. Uh, Mom and Dad, he's clean, and he's very funny. And it's uh, five minutes or so, and well worth it. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, I want to see you next week. I'm going to go see Pink and Fenway with some of my best friends from Philadelphia. And it is good to be alive in America, and I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye now. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.